Ah, wow. What a time in our world. Well, good morning to all you that are here and to all you that are uh, watching online. We're continuing our series entitled Unbelievable. And uh, we've been looking at a number of the traits of how God loves us. So we, we did start out with that whole un, un, how God is, his love is unbelievable. Then we talked about how his love is unconditional, it's uncomplicated, and Nate Wheeler brought us our message last week, how God's love is sometimes unenjoyable, but always with our good in mind. So today, we'll be doing the last message in this series, and the un today is going to be unbiased, all right? So, um, I thought today, instead of starting with a song, uh, that I would start by doing a survey. So I'm going to pick on a couple of you that I have felt fit what I'm looking for. So the first thing I need is someone big. Nate Wheeler. (laughs) Stand up, Nate. All right, first of all, you're a little less of the man I used to know, but that's beside the point. You're still big. Okay, so first of all, you know you're big, right? Oh, yeah. You don't mind being big? No. Okay. And um, do you, are you an American? Yes. Were you born here? Yes. Do you have American parents? Yes. Okay. And, and are you, one of the things we've noticed about you, you're very prolific at having children. Is, is that correct? Yes. Okay. Good. Okay. So with all that, here's the survey question. Do you believe God loves you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Sit down. All right. Oh, I know who to go to now. Ellie Torrey. Stand up. Stand up. For those of you who can't see her, she's standing. Okay. Did I say, oh, I'm very sorry, Joey. I'm so used to calling her Ellie Spencer. It, Ellie Torish is Ellie Spencer. Thank you very much. All right. So, um, Ellie, you're short. Do you, do you know that? Yes. Okay, good. Just, just checking. Just checking. And um, were you born in America? No. Um, are you Peruvian? Yes. And were you born in Peru? Yeah. Yes. And were your parents Peruvian? Yes. Are you a U.S. citizen? Yes. All right. Now... Question. Yes. Do you believe God loves you? Absolutely. Okay, good. Good. Sit down. All right. David Vaccaro, stand up. He's not big. He's not short. Kind of handsome, wouldn't you think? Yes. Thanks, Mom. Kind of smart. Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, how old are you? 23. 23. You're pretty f- physically fit? Yeah, I'd say I'm fit. Okay, so here's what you're going to do. You come over here. You're going to no, yeah, you're going to not walk. You're going to run up the stairs, turn around and jump from the top down to the floor. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Survey question. Do you believe God loves you? Absolutely. All right. Jerry Marino. Don't stand up. How old are you? It's not a hard question, Jerry. How old are you? Uh, I'm um, 94. 94. You were probably actually born before the Depression. You were, a, you were a kind of a Depression baby right on the edge. Uh, 
Yeah, so you're 28 years early the Depression, so you're, uh, wow. We were, we were depression. Yeah, so I don't know whether you know it, for 94, kind of handsome, right? Yeah. He's got to be smart, he's still alive. <laughs> so Jerry, I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. Would you run up those stairs? <laughs> All right, so Jerry, you believe God loves you? Oh, yes. Say it again. Yes, he does. All right, so wow, that's something else. Kevin, are you in the building somewhere? Oh, hey, Kevin. Wow, you had to go all the way back there taking time out of my message. All right. So, Kevin, here's what I've heard rumored. I've heard rumored that you are super passionate. Uh, yeah, okay. about many things. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Not just one thing, but pretty much anything you come in contact with, you're passionate about. True. Okay. All right. So, uh, and when you're passionate about something, you can be fairly verbal about it. Absolutely. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So survey question, do you believe God loves you? 100%. Sheesh. All right, so last but not least, my wife, Barbara. So Barbara, so... No, no jumping. So, so while I know that you can be passionate about certain things, me being one of them, right. okay, but you, turn, you, you choose not to be passionate about a ton of things. You're, you're more focused. Absolutely. Okay. And, and in certain settings, you can be verbal. But in most settings, especially if you're new to it, would you agree that you're not all that verbal? You're kind of more shy and, reser- shy and reserved? Yes. Okay. And let me ask you this. Do you believe God loves you? Unconditionally. All right. Hold that. Thank you. All right. So at this point in time... What have I established? Yes. But, see, here's the deal. Not only does God love us, but he loves all different kinds of us. Right? That's important. See, actually, God loves you. But don't be too happy about that, only you. God loves everyone. For God so loved the what? world. He is completely and totally unbiased. All right? However, unfortunately, not the case for all of us. Bias, many times when we think of the word bias, we think of it in a negative way, right? Okay, so here's an example of a bias. You're calling American Express for some problem with your, your ticket. You're calling FedEx for the package that hasn't been delivered. You know, pick a large company, and the person answers your call, and they have a very severe dialect, accent, and they give you your name. You couldn't pronounce it even if you wanted to say it again, and you think in your mind, I'm probably not going to understand them. They're probably not going to understand me. Why couldn't I have gotten someone that speaks English like I do? Now, maybe you don't want to raise your hand on this one, but I know for a number of you, you'll sit in there saying, yeah, I, I sometimes had that reaction, all right? Sometimes we base our biases on a typical or a, a specific personality, or, or maybe it's someone's educational background or lack thereof, the way they talk, maybe where someone lives, maybe it's a job that someone does. See, Pastor Greg told me about a, a, an article or story he just read about this Russian 
I think it was a restaurant or a bakery in New York. They're Russian. It was in the name. And they had a Ukrainian flag in the window and a sign that says, we stand with Ukraine. But protesters kicked their door in and vandalized them because of this whole sense they were Russian. See, we can also, though, have biases that are more positive. We sometimes look to and are biased to those that are rich, those that are handsome or beautiful, maybe the powerful, maybe the really intelligent. But Jesus said this. He said, then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you thirsty and give you drink? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will say, I tell the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked and ignored, that was me. You did it to me. Jesus was unbiased toward people that many times the world is biased against. Back then, today. In James 2, we have this story about a rich man who comes into a meeting. We're going to say he comes into a church, and he looks rich. He's dressed, you know, in a very, very good way. Everything's tailored. Everything fits. He has jewelry on. He's clean cut. He just looks like a million bucks because he maybe has a million bucks. And they say to him, hey, come up front here. You could be a big tither. Come and sit in a good seat. But then this man comes in, and he's got raggedy clothes on, unshaven, you know, smells. And they say to him, you know what, sit at my feet or go stand over there. And, and this is what, what Jesus says about that. He says, you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? You know, if you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, then you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. See, this word favoritism, it's used in the scripture for another word, bias. So let, let's pause just for a moment. Let's look at this word bias. And mainly, let's look at the word unbiased. And let's make sure we're all on the same page with the definition. Merriam-Webster says this. That unbiased means that you are free from all prejudice and favoritism, and you are eminently fair. If we look at that scripture now and take it into a biblical perspective, here's what we would say. When you're unbiased, you realize you have undeserved grace, unconditional love, and you are experiencing God's unreal belief in us, in you, in me. See, another way to look at this is God has no favorites. You know, all my kids consider themselves my favorite. And occasionally when no one else is around, I tell them they're my favorite. One of my kids signs all of her cards, CF. That's my daughter, Caitlin. Caitlin favorite. That's what she signs every time. <laughs> so let me ask you this, though. Have you ever wondered... If God really loves you? Have you ever felt far from God? Have you ever wondered if you've turned out the way God actually wanted you to turn out? Have you ever wondered if the sin that you struggle with will one day do you in? 
See, it's important to realize it goes along with what Percy said. Jesus is totally unbiased. His love is not based on what you've done. It's not based on what you're doing. And it's not based on what you will do. It's based on what he did. It's based on what he's doing and will continue to do. See, it's the cross. It's the resurrection. He did that. So he wouldn't have to have bias toward you. He didn't do that so you could come to him primarily. He did that so that he could come to you. So he could show you unconditional love. Luke says this, But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples, Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus answered them. It's interesting. They asked the disciples. (laughs) Jesus overheard. He answered. He said this, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and that they need to repent. See, Jesus isn't biased to any person. He has no favorites. However, that's not always easy for you and I to understand and to exercise in the things that we do. There's a, well, first of all, it's interesting you came up today, Percy, uh, because here's an example. Do you think that God loves Percy and Greg more than he loves you? Or maybe you think he at least likes them more than you, right? Well, that's not true. Let's give you an example. Remember the story of the good shepherd? hundred sheep in the sheepfold and one goes astray. Everybody remember that? Okay, everybody wake up. I know you had to get up an hour earlier. Okay, good. Um, so, many times that series of scriptures is used to say that God will leave the 99 saved people and go after the one who's unsaved, who's lost. And I don't agree with that because the good shepherd had that sheep in his sheepfold. All right, It wandered out of the sheepfold into the pastures and it wandered away. And then it says that Jesus leaves Percy and Greg and he goes after the one that he loves, one of his children, who has wandered away. By the way, he doesn't leave all the sheep out in the field for the wolves and everybody else to get. They're still in the sheepfold. they got a gate, okay? Um, if he's gone too long, they're going to be hungry when he gets back. But other than that, okay, Jesus goes after them. And then it says that the shepherd puts the sheep on his back, puts them on his back and, and on his shoulders and carries them home. See, I don't know about you, but I've been on Jesus' shoulders a few times in my life. Anybody else say, hey, Jesus had to come after me and put him on his shoulder? Come on. Most of us have. We, we've had fear. We've had anxiety. We've, we've gone through situations of anger, and, and maybe we've, we've gone through situations with a sin that we're just crying out to God to help us. See, I believe that when you're wandering, that Jesus the good shepherd always comes after you, always comes after you. If you're going through that right now, Jesus is coming. I will assure you, Jesus, no matter how long you've struggled, Jesus is coming. One of those times for me, I was 
at this moment years ago. I was, had become very successful in business. Successful enough that one day I said, you know what? I think I'm going to lease a helicopter with a pilot. And I'm going to fly around by helicopter to my offices throughout northern, northern New England. You know, it reminded me of that guy that says, hey, I got too much to put on my barns. I'm going to build another one and, and put all the excess in there. And God says, uh, you know, oh, fool, you don't know that tonight your soul is required of you. Fortunately, God did not say that to me at that time. But I will tell you this, that while contemplating the helicopter, I went through some very severe business setbacks. And, uh, and you know what? It humbled me. And, I, and God reminded me of where I had been just months before. I would never do that again. Never do that again. See, God had to show bias before Jesus' death and resurrection because he could not come to us and love us unconditionally because we were sinners. And he he proved over and over that we can't follow law religiously. We fail. But that cross, that cross means that it doesn't apply to you and I. God's love now is unconditional conditional. It is without bias. But just like Jesus, just like that cross and resurrection allowed him, we're to be like him. We're called to be unbiased. We're called to not allow prejudice, not allow favoritism, not not allow judgment is the way to be a part of the way we live as Christians. See, we're all familiar with some of the more obvious areas where we show bias. In the last two years, we've seen such horrible racial bias, uh, political bias, uh, socioeconomic bias, all different ones. But, but those, we've heard that over and over, and it's so important. But I want to I give you a, an insight to areas that we don't always think of where we show bias. So let's look at James 1.27. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the Father, means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. The way the world corrupts you is we show bias or we show non-caring. So one of the groups that Jesus used that he knew was marginalized were children. You know, it doesn't have anything to do with whether you like children. Not, I'm not saying that. It, it's not that, but it's that maybe we don't take much time to, to realize children are important to God, to, to listen to them, to, to understand some of their wisdom, which we just assume we always have more than they, than they do. See, we need to take time to really understand them. And, and sometimes we don't do that. Why? Because they're annoying. They're needy. But here's the thing. You may say, well, I do that with my own kids. But what about other people's kids? What about kids that you know are struggling? What about kids that have single parents? Do we take the time to search for them, look for them? The foster event on Saturday, come. You don't have to be a foster parent. We're not, you don't have to think that that's what you're going to be you know, rigged into. But just come and understand the issues that are out there. So Jesus saw children in this way. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Doesn't say, he said he rebuked the children. 
Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. See, the Bible goes on to say, unless we become like little children, we'll not see the kingdom of God. So I'd like to take a few moments and show you a video. It's from the series, The Chosen. If you have not seen The Chosen, I'm going to tell you, I don't do this very often. I don't promote things from the pulpit, but I will promote this. Go to the App Store, look for, actually look for Angel Studios is what it's under, uh, or you can go to YouTube, but The Chosen. But this is a scene that I think so telegraphs a lack of bias on Jesus' part and an example to us when it comes to children. He wouldn't stop pushing me, so I pushed him so hard he fell down. And that's why you were punished. Did you expect something different? But even Torah says eye for eye. Why should I be punished too? Yes, but that is for a judge. You were hardly in a court of law. And you, all of you, are to be special. You are to act differently than others. You tell us to be gentle, but Rabbi Josiah said Messiah would lead us against the Romans, that he would be a great military leader. It is important to respect your teachers and honor your parents. And Rabbi Josiah is a smart man. But many times, smart men lack wisdom. Is there anything in Scripture that says Messiah will be a great military leader. There are many things about scripture that you cannot understand yet, and that is okay, that is fine. You have many years ahead of you, and God does not reveal all things at once. But children, what if many of the things that our people think about how we are to behave and how we are to treat one another are wrong? You want things to be fair, When someone wrongs you, you want to right it. And you know who else loves justice? But what does the Lord say in the law of Moses about justice and vengeance? Vengeance is mine. Yes, very good. Very good. Boys, pay attention. She doesn't even go to Torah class, huh? (laughs) The Lord loves justice. But maybe... It is not ours to handle. And God says he will have compassion on his people when... What? Let's see if someone who studies this at school is learning, huh? When their strength is gone? Yes, very good. So, maybe we let God provide the justice. hmm? Maybe we handle these things in a different way. Not trying to be the strongest all the time. Even Messiah? You will have to see. But do not expect Messiah to arrive in Jerusalem on a tall horse carrying weapons. And he will be most pleased with those of you who are the peacemakers. This is my reason for being here. I still don't understand. What is your reason for being here? I'm telling you this because even though you are children and the elders in your life have lived longer, many times adults need the faith of children. And if you hold on to this faith really tightly, someday soon you will understand all of what I'm saying to you. 
But you ask an important question, Abigail. What is my reason for being here? And the answer is for all of you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Isaiah. Isaiah. I have loved spending this time with you. You are all so very special. And I hope that my next students ask the same questions you do and that they listen to my answers. But I suspect they do not have the understanding you do. And I hope that when the time comes, they will tell others about me, like you have. All right. That is such a moving, was such a moving piece for me to understand it. And Jesus proclaims in this the reasons he came. Why? To, to proclaim the good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to, to free the, the captives, to release from darkness the prisoners, and to proclaim the year of God's favor. He was drawn to those who the world is many times totally biased against. Children, tax collectors, lepers versus Pharisees, the wealthy, those considered to be at the top of the heap in this life. He didn't go after the group the world would have encouraged him to pursue because he was, is, and always will be unbiased. One of the ways that we take up our cross and follow him, as the word says, is that we don't listen to the enemy, don't listen to Satan, who feeds our biases, who feeds this because he knows it divides the kingdom of God. Satan's role is to tempt you. The Holy Spirit's role is to give you strength not to be tempted. We live in a world where we have to fight the biases that we see all around us. You know, like we just saw in this video, some of us are listening to rabbis that are intelligent but do not have wisdom. Unfortunately, some of us at times can actually be a rabbi in this same context. So let's be clear. God does love the wealthy. He does love the people at the top of the heap. But he has this this driving heart for those that are oppressed, those that are taken advantage of, those that the world casts aside, that Jesus spent 99% of his ministry ministering to. He had no bias. So here's my question for you today. And it's a question for me today. If I look at my life, where is my bias? Where is your bias? Who has God put in your life 
either now or in the past, but he will also in the future, that you have developed a bias against. You know, maybe it's a family member that you have written off, and, and for good reason. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a friend or, or a previous friend. Maybe it's a class of people. Maybe you don't even realize that. But I believe that in this world today, if we ever needed as Christians to face our biases and to refuse to be tempted to let those continue. So where is your bias? Where is mine? I'm going to ask you to think about that. I'm going to ask you not to just say, oh, I don't have any biases. Or, you know, I have some people I I don't like, and I have good reason for that. Put your word, put whatever word around it you want to. But God would call you to love everyone just like he does, without bias. So, Father, I pray today. Lord, this isn't a very comfortable message. This is a challenging message, at least it is for me. You've caused me as a result of doing this message to look at, at my life and what I the reactions I sometimes have, the things I'm unwilling to do, the people that, to be honest with you, Lord, when I see them coming, I just want to go the other way. Oh, Father, help me. Help me. Help each one here that we would be honest with ourselves, that we would, that we would be willing. Because, Lord, I have a sense that in the days, the months, and years ahead, we are destined for some, some very challenging times. And, Lord, I pray that you would help us before we enter those, to learn how to unconditionally love, to accept, to feel called to those that you put in our sphere of influence that we otherwise may want to walk around or not be involved with, or ones you want to send us to. Maybe they're outside of our sphere, but you are giving us a heart and sending us there. Many times, We need to look at the very places where we struggle going the most to the people we struggle with the most. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you for the hearts of your children here today and those that are tuning in, Lord, that you would help us. You would help us tomorrow, the rest of today, all this week, to really assess our our lives, our biases, and give us strength, give us courage. Let us know that's how we expand the kingdom. Let us come Let us go for the same reasons you were called here and the great commission you gave us. In Jesus, your precious name, we pray. Thank you for getting up on time and being here today. If you have any needs in your life that we can pray for, please, we'll be up front. We'd love to pray with you. Other than that, God bless you all and have a wonderful Sunday.